0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's
2: B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Bring us in, babe.
2: Welcome to Coco, Coco Caliente. Caliente. Just a heads up, I might be a little quiet this episode because I am taking my cat to the vet because something um, is up with him. He's not really eating and I'm worried about him. So um, I'm going to try not to cry or anything. But for some reason when my animals are not feeling good, I just like, that's all I can think about.
1: Yeah, literally i woke up and nicole was scheduling a vet appointment for right after we finished yeah. <laughs> recording this podcast but i think the kitty will be fine i think it's more of a precautionary visit hopefully fingers crossed um but yeah that's where nicole's at with that changing topics switching gears we just uh so i had this whole week off it kind of worked out that way i think i took off one day this week and i had the whole week off so Two things happened this week. We had the Ugly Football State Championships, which we lost, oh, yeah. unfortunately. But we got to play at Ford Field. Uh, the kids did really good. Um, it was exciting. That's where the Lions play. Um, but we just couldn't get it done that day. I mean, just the other team showed up. They did better that day. It is what it is, but I was proud of the it's kids It's kind of crazy
2: that you guys started at 10 a.m. Like, when you think of a football game, you don't think of playing at 10 a.m.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I had to wake up at, like, 5 in the morning. Um, Yeah, it turned out to be a really long day, but they do that because – uh, they have a bunch of teams playing that day, right? So,
2: smaller divisions play first.
1: Yeah. And so they had like four, I think it was like four games that day or five, something like that. And also,
2: I think our team's used to playing in like the cold. And it was, you said it was like 60 degrees in there.
1: No, it was like 70. I'm not giving us there. an
2: excuse or anything. I'm just saying it was, yeah. Thinking about playing 10 in the morning in like an enclosed space is a little different on turf, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I could, I could see that too. Um, i don't know it was it was at the end of the day it was it was a great experience uh you know i felt bad for some of the seniors because we've all been there you know playing your last game and that might be the last game of that organized sport that you ever play Mm -hmm. right not a lot of people go on to play in college so uh i can definitely feel that emotion in the room um, another thing that we did on this week, it seems like we did a lot this week, uh, Nicole and I, so Nicole, <laughs> if you guys remember, she gets her hair done in Nashville.
2: It's the most high maintenance thing about me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to own it.
1: And we normally <laughs> fly, but given the pandemic and the, uh. Nicole's pregnancy, we decided to drive. It's a 10 hour drive, more or less, from here to there. On the way down, I think Nicole drove two hours? Two and a half. Two and a half. So she drove two and a half of the 10 hours. And then we got there, we did our thing. It was like quick, same, like we got there on Tuesday. Nicole got her hair done on Wednesday, and then right after, we drove right back up. Yeah, right after it was a really quick trip. Yeah, and I drove the 10 hours back, so I was pretty proud of myself. Nicole slept the whole way.
2: He did do really good. I, got, I get really car sick if I stay awake. so.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, so we had, we were, we're on our way down. We had left Michigan. I think we were in Kentucky by that point. And uh, the car was really nasty because when we left, it was snowing in Michigan. There was a lot of slush, mm-hmm. salt, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I told Nicole, hey, at some point I want to stop and get a car wash to get all this stuff off, right? You know, the car might still get dirty on the way, but at least it's not salt that's eroding your car. She's like, okay. So we get off at an exit. I get gas. I find a car wash place. And while Nicole's waking up from that segment of the trip, she's like, I'm feeling like car sick, like lethargic. I don't... I don't know. And I'm like, "Oh, you're fine. Vic's like,
2: you're fine. It's because you didn't eat anything. I was like, no, I normally don't eat till 10.
1: Well, granted, yeah, she was car sick, but she also had only drank Gatorade and she had no solid food in her stomach. So I think that played a part in it. But nonetheless, we get the car wash. We're not on the interstate for like five minutes. And then she throws up on the entire side of the car. Well, I was like, you
2: guys kept driving. I was like, pull over as I'm puking, trying to undo my seatbelt. Well, you
1: can't just stop in the middle of the freeway.
2: (laughs) You could have pulled over. I did
1: pull over when I could.
2: Well, the thing is, is the worst thing was my seatbelt didn't stretch because I threw up once out the window. And then I came back to sit back in normal spot. And then... I went to go again, and it locked me, so I couldn't. My head couldn't reach out the window.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so she partially threw up on the Uh, on the door, like on the where the window is. So there's definitely puke where the window goes uh, up and down. Um, And I think that's part of why we get that whiff of vomit in the car every now and then. Now our car's tainted. I
2: felt so much better. (laughs) Like right after that, I was like, "Thank goodness I vomited." I feel so great right now because. If you know what like um motion sickness feels like it's the worst. And that's actually it that's exactly what um morning sickness and pregnancy sickness feels like. So if you can just puke and get rid of it, oh yeah.
1: <laughs> well that happened. But anyway, we made it there and back, safe trip. The it was food good. was
2: amazing. So we stopped at we picked like what places we <laughs> we don't get to eat at.
1: Oh yeah. And yep. we
2: um the food was, ended up
1: didn't being a lot. We only we really at, think about it.
2: So we ate at Culver's. I know uh-huh. that, which is a big deal for me. It's a
1: Michigan staple. I though. love Culver's. Yeah,
2: and then which I haven't probably had Culver's in like years. Okay, and then. um where did we go next? We had
1: Corky's Barbecue in Nashville, which Tennessee, was like, or which not was, Brentwood, rather.
2: Which was okay.
1: Um, and and then, then we had Witch Witch on our way back. That was one of the big ones that we really liked.
2: And Cold Stone.
1: Uh, yeah, we had Cold Stone ice cream. Uh, oh, we also had that breakfast. Oh, uh, that was that really Maple good. Street.
2: That was awesome. They had
1: like these. Gourmet biscuit breakfast mm-hmm. stuff. It was actually really, really When you're good.
2: pregnant, like, I guess they tell you to eat, like, six small meals. And I'm totally backwards because I eat, like, two or three gigantic meals. <laughs> and that's what I did on the trip. And that's probably why I was so tired and felt like, ugh. So yeah. I'm trying to switch that around.
1: <laughs> well... That, yeah, that was our week. And now, and now today we're podcasting with a gentleman named Todd Henry, mm-hmm. who he is hired and he does these talks and he works with individuals and businesses on initiating that creativity, tapping into that spot in your brain right. to have those creative thoughts. And he's authored several books, uh, two of them being The Accidental Creative, How to Be Brilliant at a Moment's Notice and die empty, which is uh, something that he talks about uh, that when you pass away, you don't want to have all these things inside you that you should have done, right? mm -hmm. So anyway, we'll talk to him about it. I hope you guys enjoy. This should be a fun one. Yep. Hello, Todd. This is Victor and Nicole. Hi. Hey, Victor and Nicole. How are you? Good, good. Welcome to Coco Caliente Podcast. (laughs) Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Yeah, so Todd, I'm excited to talk to you. I watched uh, in preparation for this, as any professional would, he prepares or she prepares by looking you up, right? (laughs) Um, And I saw one of your TED Talks uh, or the TED Talk that you did back, I think it was in 2013-ish
0: yeah that feels like a lifetime ago it now. does
1: yeah. <laughs> even even when i even when i was watching it i was like man this is this too old for like is it relevant now and it seemed as relevant now or then as it is now um it definitely the ideas don't change you just adapt it to the time that you're in right right Right. Um, so anyway just uh give us a quick overview for our listeners of who you are like how do you describe yourself
0: yeah, so I like to sort of affectionately call myself an arms dealer for the creative revolution. <laughs> um, <laughs> I my Primarily what I do is I help people who have to go to work and be creative every day, people who have to solve problems, make things up. Uh, I help them to be prolific, brilliant, and healthy, meaning doing a lot of work, doing good work, and working in a sustainable way. Um, because what I've experienced over the course of my, my career is that so many people are – I mean they're really effective. They get a lot done, but over time they simply burn themselves out. They, they sacrifice long-term viability on the altar of short term productivity, and um, that's just not a sustainable way to work over time, and eventually you become – Decreasingly effective, and so what I've really sort of had a heart for over the course of my entire career, and now I've written five books um, in the last, I guess, ten years, and I travel all over the world helping people and teams to, you know, to figure out how do we not only do good work and not only do a lot of work because we have to do that. But also, how do we do it in a sustainable way over time that's not going to cause the kinds of burnout and frustration and unhealthiness that we often see in the workplace today?
1: I really want to get into that because I was listening to some of your stuff and reading some of your stuff and I was like, oh, this is actually, this all makes sense. This episode is brought to you by Hydrant. Keep feeling at your best through maximizing your hydration. Did you know that hydration can be tied to improved mood, better focus and mental clarity, more energy, clearer skin, and more, water alone doesn't hydrate you as quickly as drinks with an optimized blend of electrolytes. That's where Hydrant comes in. Hydrant is a refreshing drink mix powder made from four key electrolytes, sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc. It's made with real fruit juice powder and no artificial sweeteners or synthetic colors. No nonsense, all science.
2: For an extra boost, try the new hydrant immunity containing vitamins A, B6, B12, C, and D, along with ginger and turmeric. Water meets wellness in a vitamin packed drink mix that you can drink hot in these chiller months. Plus, it's backed by a 100% satisfaction guarantee. If you don't love it, send it back for a full refund. You really need to try it for yourself to see what I'm talking about. It tastes incredible and it works. Try Hydrant today and save up to 20% on your first order. What are you waiting for?
1: Yeah, and we got a special deal for our listeners to save 20% off your first order. So go to Hydrant. So it's drinkhydrant.com slash cocoa or enter promo code cocoa at checkout. That's drinkhydrant, dot com slash cocoa and enter promo code cocoa, C-O-C-O for 20% off your first order.
2: Drink hydrant.com slash cocoa and enter promo code cocoa to save 20%. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast hydrant where water meets wellness.
1: So how, so when you were, when you were growing up at what point did you say, you know what? I want to teach people how to be more creative or better their thoughts.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say never. That was not even close to on my radar. I mean, I, so I grew up kind of in a very rural environment. Um, You know, one of those places where, like, you hop on your bicycle and you ride, like, 10 miles and nobody has any clue where you are. Nobody has any clue, like, what you're up to. Mm -hmm. It's just, like, be home by dinner kind of thing. Yeah. And so, you know, my friends and I kind of had this sort of, like make our own fun or make our own trouble, depending on how you look at it. So we did all kinds of crazy stuff growing up. Like we tried to make a helicopter out of a lawnmower engine, which is just a really bad (laughs) idea. Um, I mean, we would like make movies in the woods and, you know, all this like kind of crazy stuff. But, um, you know, looking back on it, I realize now that that sort of like no boundaries, no distractions, just kind of open, free, exploratory kind of childhood, I think really – cued me up well for what I'm doing now. And then, so I went to school, went to college. um, And by the way, I am like ancient old, like almost 50 (laughs) years old. So um, this is a long time ago. But um, I I went to college, studied marketing, and I got out of school. And I had paid a chunk of my way through college by playing music. And so I thought, hey, I think I'm going to try to make a
1: run at the music business. And so I did that for several years. What instrument, or did you sing, or...? so
0: i sang i played piano and played guitar okay um and so you know got to travel and play all kinds of fun shows and do all kinds of really cool stuff um and it's funny because now i sort of tell my kids that those were my misguided 20s but in truth i mean the reality is it was it was such a great opportunity to kind of you know be out there making things, being in front of people, being on stage. We were often like the opening act for these bigger acts. And so we had to kind of figure out, you know, how do we keep people's attention? How Mm do we, uh, learn what to say in order to you know, keep that guy from turning around and going and buying another beer while we're playing, you know, whatever song (laughs) we're playing. Um, and so, you know, that was really great, but then realized at some point, like, okay, I don't think that this is going to be a viable career path. So Mm -hmm. ended up uh, leveraging my education and some connections, got a job as a creative director for a, an organization. Um, and over the course of about a decade, I built out the team at that organization. And that was when I really started figuring out, okay, there's a healthy way to go about creating every day. And there's an unhealthy way to go about it, especially as you're, you're building a team and you're trying to do really intense work under a lot of pressure, um, and that was when I started asking questions and talking to people I respected. And then in 2005, sorry, there's a very long story, a long one. No, out, but, I, I love um, it. In
1: 2005, um,
0: this, this brand new thing called podcasting was starting to take <laughs> off. And I thought, you know, um, that might be an interesting thing for me to try. And so I launched a podcast in 2005 called the accidental creative. And quite frankly, I, I put it out there. I put out like three or four episodes of me kind of just blathering on about the creative process and what I was learning in the midst of leading this team of people and kind of forgot about it. And I went back about a month later to look for podcasts to listen to. Um, And there was a podcast called the accidental creative. That was one of the top podcasts on iTunes. (laughs) And and my first first thought was, Oh no, I stole someone else's name. I can't (laughs) believe I didn't check (laughs) this. But it was my podcast, right? There were thousands of people listening to this. And so I realized, okay, I think I've stepped into something here that is, it's not just me, it's everyone that's experiencing these dynamics. And so from there, things just kind of built, and I started getting invitations to come and teach and speak. and. Um, then in 2009, signed my first book deal with Penguin Random House or just Penguin at the time. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of the beginning of, uh, what I'm doing now, which is writing books and teaching and podcasting. we just crossed 10 million downloads for the podcast, which is kind of wow. a fun milestone mm-hmm. um, for Congrats. us. So, yeah. That's you. amazing. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, numbers don't really mean a lot except for when numbers represent people who mm-hmm. are actually listening and being impacted. Right. I'm totally. sure you feel the same. Absolutely. So, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, a lot there, a lot to digest. Um, but I want to go, <laughs> no, because I think that's awesome. It's cool that you found something, and essentially, it's to the title of your podcast. It was very accidental, right? Yeah. And people mm-hmm. wanted to, you know, get that creativity from you and how to be more creative. I, I just think that you stumbled upon a career completely by accident with all these years of preparation that you didn't even know you were preparing for, mm-hmm. right? Um, And I want to go back to what you were talking about when you were a kid because Nicole and I have these conversations from time to time talking about our childhood and growing up and being able, like you said, go out. You know, every once in a while I come back, check in, maybe grab a juice box and go back out. But there was no phone. You know, I just go to a friend's house, actually knock on the door, see if they're there to then hang out if they're not there. Well, they missed out on the fun that day, you know, and you just kind of disappear and do your own things. Uh, and then you skip to today, and that 's like non existent right yeah that that doesn 't happen it 's a play date if it 's anything, and you don 't have that sense of freedom as a kid. Um, I wonder if a lot of that is really due to this fear that our kids is going to get kidnapped because that seems almost – depending on where you live, it's almost an irrational fear uh, right. that was maybe concocted back in like the 80s when you know things like that were happening in like inner cities. I mean that was a big time of crime, but nowadays you don't see that as much. So I, I just don't know. People are like – the kids are tied to their phones, their Xboxes, Playstations. They're not really having these meaningful connections in person. Like is that really hindering? their long-term creativity
0: so I, I think that it's kind of a mixed bag right um, so on one hand absolutely I completely agree with you and I and I you know, right now is actually probably the safest time mm-hmm. for kids to just kind of go in Rome and do their thing. Right? Yeah, <laughs> it's
1: exactly. Like, most
0: of them have technology. Like, we know where they are. You yeah. know, it's not like we're, the, you know, it was back then, not only was, was the crime rate higher, but like our parents had no clue where we were. Mm-hmm. Like, there were, you know, no, you know, no phones like with GPS pings or any of that stuff. I mean, we could be like caught in a bear trap in the middle of the <laughs> woods or something and be like, well, I don't know what happened to, you know, Todd. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know so so on one hand like i look back at those days and like when we got into fights we had to figure it out we had to work it out for ourselves you know and it was like we were there in person and if we got into an argument over a baseball game it's like okay figure it out you Mm -hmm. know or um you know so in some respect like our emotional intelligence our our emotional iq i think was a lot higher because we had face to face conflicts, face to face interactions. You know, we had to figure out the rules. We had to negotiate. You know, all of those things. So that was wonderful. Um, and I think you lose that when we're all kind of alone together. When we're all on our screens and we're in proximity to one another, but we're not really interacting with one another. We're 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 not getting the same level of EQ development. I yeah. think um, among the youth. On the other hand, it's what one of the most valuable aspects of creativity is the the kinds and quality of stimuli that you allow into your mind and so um, you know, if I wanted to read a book, I had to go to the library. If I wanted to look something up, I had to use something called microfiche and I had to like pull out these little <laughs> visual slides and put them in the thing where I get, you know, like to read a magazine from 10 years ago was like impossible. You, uh-huh. you just couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, whereas now kids have access to, and I'm just, I have three teenage kids. I'm astounded at what they're able to accomplish with their research because mm-hmm. of, because of the internet, you yeah. know? Um, and so, on, on one hand, I look at it and I think, okay, well, they've got more stimulus to draw from. And so, like um, my, my oldest son's a musician, um, and he, by the time he was like 14 years old, he had listened to the entire Beatles catalog, the entire Kinks catalog, the entire Rolling Stones catalog, the entire, like, basically, he worked his way all the way through, like, you know, modern music, had listened to. Basically every great album in the history of music, for me to do that as a kid would have cost me tens of thousands yeah. of dollars because I yeah. would have had, you know, mm-hmm. but they have access to this. And so when I listen to his music, you can hear the influences of all of these oh, great girl cool. types. Yeah,
2: yeah, it that's is. That's awesome. This episode is brought to you by Magic Spoon. Growing up, cereal was one of the best parts of being a kid, but most of us had to give it up because it's full of sugar and junk that you really shouldn't eat. With the new year, we're all trying to eat better, but healthy breakfast doesn't have to be boring magic spoon has the amazing flavors you love but without all the bad stuff
1: yeah it's uh, it's definitely amazing it has zero sugar 11 grams of protein and only three net grams of carbs in each serving which is perfect for anybody really and especially somebody like me that works out all the time i'm looking for that protein with no sugar <laughs> it comes in four flavors cocoa fruity frosted and blueberry and it tastes amazing i'm not i'm not even lying it's, it's
2: so good <laughs> i eat it so often almost every single day and they have blueberry with which I love. And I my favorite I think is fruity. It just takes me back to like yeah. I bet nostalgia. Of being a kid, like, yeah. <laughs> but it's so good for you. Yeah,
1: honestly, if somebody gave you this cereal without telling you it was this cereal, you would think it's
2: not good you know, for you. <laughs> yeah, you
1: would think it's not good for you. But it, it's so actually good. really good. It's yeah. keto friendly, gluten free, grain free, soy free, low carb, and GMO free.
2: So go to MagicSpoon.com forward slash Coco to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code Coco C O C O at checkout to save five dollars off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund you your money, no questions asked.
1: That's magicspoon.com slash coco and use the code COCO to save $5 off. We thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring this podcast.
0: And so on one hand, you know, there's more access. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, here's what's challenging about that. I think that we often settle For awareness instead of understanding. Mm -hmm. So we are more aware of more things than we've ever been. And we think that that makes us smart and creative. But the reality is we don't understand it because we're not spending as much time thinking about it understanding the nuance of it. Instead, we just get pinged by something and then we move on. Mm. Um, and so I think that that introduces a unique challenge for kids today as well um, that we didn't really have. You know, if I came across something cool, I would spend hours with it. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, that's cool. Let's move on to the next thing because there's an infinite supply of things to move mm-hmm. on to. Um, and so I think that's another thing that we have to train kids today to do is to be present. I mean, we... Um, would uh, for the first several, you know, our kids were like the last ones to get phones, you know, um, <laughs> of, of all of their friends, and they didn't like that. And eventually we let them get phones because we got tired of like them borrowing their friend's phone to call us to come pick them up or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, so eventually it became a logistical thing, but you know what that did? It It kind of forced them to read for fun. That's what they did. Mm. They would read for fun. And so, you know, I think that because of that, I think they're, their EQ, their emotional maturity, all of that sort of developed at, at a nice pace because they were present with their thoughts. They learned how to focus. They learned how to be present instead of just following the pain wherever it might lead them. So, again, that was a long answer, but no. I think that's, um, mm-hmm. there are a lot of gifts of growing up back in the 80s when I did, um, uh, you know, and there are also some downsides. Like we had to drive forty five minutes to the nearest movie theater, which yes. kind of stunk. <laughs> um, but but at the same time, like it was kind of a. a- very distraction-free environment and it's funny how and sorry last thing i'll say but it's funny how many like devices are being introduced now that are quote-unquote distraction-free devices you know we're like they sell you like this little typewriter for five hundred dollars that you write on that's like a distraction-free device i'm like really like we have to buy five (laughs) hundred dollar devices to keep us from checking our email (laughs) can't we just turn off turn off Wi-Fi for a little while, you know, mm-hmm. but like we're seeking or it's almost like we want to go back to that environment because we recognize there's something mm-hmm. humanizing about that. And, you know, we're learning a fundamentally new way of being human. Our technology is outstripping our capacity to adapt to that technology. So we have to have disciplines in our life to keep us grounded and focused and to remove us from the pressures of that kind of on-demand world that we're living in now.
1: Absolutely. And that that actually can segue us perfectly into what you talk about, which is that uh, being prolific, brilliant, and healthy And you talk about pings in there, how that's one of the things that can distract you or sidetrack you from being those three things. So, can you explain those uh, for us?
0: Yeah. So, researcher Linda Stone says that we are living in an age of continuous partial attention, Um, and and I think that that's a great way to describe how many of us are living today. If we want to do work that we're proud of. If we want to have relationships that we're proud of, if you know, if we want to do creative work that will stand the test of time, we have to learn to be fully present to give our attention to what's in front of us. But th- this dynamic that I mentioned called the ping is constantly distracting us. And the ping is this perpetual pinprick in my gut that says, you know, something out there might be more important than what's in front of me. Mm. And so we're living in that state of continuous partial attention because we're always thinking, well, maybe something out there is more important than what's in front of me. Maybe something out there is more important than what's in front of me. And it distracts us from really thinking deeply and thinking systemically about the work that we're doing. And I find it to be a disturbing trend. I mean, if you look at the research about attention spans and focus and all of that, we can see that there's a steady decline in the capacity of the average person to simply stay present with a thought for a very long period of time. Um, and I think that's why meditation apps and things like that are making a comeback as well, because what meditation does is it trains you to reclaim some of that humanity, to, to reclaim the ability to be present, to push those distractions away, that kind of thing. And so. Um oh I hear you have a guest. Yeah Hi. yeah, yeah, she's no, always no that's awesome. she's uh, always ping. here and the mailman that's a, that's a just walked in. Right
1: yeah, that's literally <laughs> <laughs> the ping of all
0: pings. So so I think I think you know that's why it's so important you know for for me for example one practice that i've implemented since a very long time ago is like when i get up in the morning the first thing i do is i sit down with my coffee and i study and i try to break you know break away from the pressures of the world for a little bit you know in the morning because i know they're going to be coming throughout the course of the day but just having that bit of time in the morning to reclaim a bit of my humanity to think deeply to 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 commune with great minds, as Stephen Sample from USC called it, um, you know, to to be able to just entertain the ideas of others. I think it's so important for us. And so for the average person, the question I ask them is, are you ever off the grid? Is there ever a time when you're off the grid? I mean, right now, even like we watch television or we watch uh, movies or we watch sports or whatever, with the screen that's in front of us, but how many people are also sitting there on another screen Mm -hmm. scrolling while they're watching, you know, we are not even really watching the thing we're watching. I I go to, well, back in non COVID times, we'd go to restaurants all the time and see people sitting across the table from one another on their phones, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's just, uh, and again, I'm not judging anyone. I mean, I, I get it. Like it's, it's kind of the age that we're living in. It's just that I think we need to remind ourselves that, you know, we're, we're only going to move through this life one time. And are we moving through this life in a way that is purposeful and meaningful and where we're present with the people around us and present with the thoughts in front of us? Or are we moving through this life perpetually distracted with continuous partial attention, never really fully being here in the moment because we can't get this moment back.
1: Yeah and I there there's so much truth to that because I find myself at our house uh you know especially being stuck inside you're always trying to find something to occupy your time and some of the times that mm-hmm. I'm most free is when I'm just sitting at my laptop reading so I got News Plus recently because I bought Nicole a laptop yeah. and it came with News Plus. And those articles, I was like, man, how can people sit? These are like, <laughs> these are like essays. Like they're they're long drawn, you know, like articles that are like research articles, opposed to like a quick news blurb that's a couple paragraphs, right? But then when yes. I find myself sitting there and reading it, I just get immersed in that one thing. And then Nicole's mm-hmm. like, what are you reading? <laughs> and then I'm like, well, I'm talking about the most wanted man, you know, in the world from Rwanda, whatever it's going on in a genocide that happened. You know, um, and I like that. But the only other times, which is weird, that I I really disconnect from like my phone and everything is when I'm at work uh, in law enforcement, when I'm doing a traffic stop or an investigation where I am not allowed to be distracted because that'll (laughs) then, you know, compromise my safety, which is kind of I've never thought about it that way until I was listening to your TED talk. And like I have to disconnect. A ping is not more important than, you know, what's potentially life and death in front of you. Right. So I don't know. It's it's weird to try to be able to tap into that at home other than just reading an article or doing something else. I mean, what, what tips do you normally give people for that?
0: There so there are any number of, of ways. I mean, I mentioned meditation apps before. Um, you know, there are a number of great meditation apps to sort of that you can just build a routine into your life of disconnecting from the ping. And it's funny because the first couple of times that you do this you know, you try to, to do any kind of meditation or contemplation or prayer or whatever your, your particular discipline is, um, you will feel those little urges of like, I need to go pick up my phone right now. I need to go check Instagram right now. I need to go, you know, um, you feel those, those urges and it's almost, um, it's almost scary how much of a hold some of these these instincts have over us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I know that sounds maybe a little bit overblown and maybe like, Oh, okay. Thanks, old man, you know, but like, <laughs> listen, I'm, I'm not a Luddite. Like I've, I have, you know, an Apple watch strapped to my wrist that pings me every time somebody has an inkling to get a hold of me. Right. Like mm-hmm. I love technology. I've always loved technology. I always use the latest technology, whatever it is. I'm always like one of the first ones on a new platform, whatever it comes out. I love this stuff. And at the same time, I think I've come to realize as I've, as I've, you know, kind of grown a little bit older and I've seen more, uh, I think I've come to realize maybe some of what I've lost over the last decade by not, you know, when I've not trained myself to be present in the moment. Um, and, and what I see other people around me losing as well. And so, um, you know, I, I have, a. a a friend, um, Cal Newport, who wrote a book that basically is about like deleting all of your social media accounts. You know, getting rid of all technology I've, and all pings and all I've stuff. I thought
1: about that. <laughs>
0: yeah, it, it's a good book. It's called Digital Minimalism. So I'll plug his book. But um, now he's not recommending doing that forever and ever. But what he's saying is, you know, we slowly ratchet up all of these expectations on ourselves, and we do this in a lot of areas. But we slowly ratchet up the the technology and the number of pings we're getting and the number of apps we have to check and all of this to the point that we don't even realize that the water is boiling kind of thing um and so his recommendation is hey strip it all away and then add it back meaningfully one at a time until you get to a point where it's like yeah this is kind of all i need um and i think that's good for really in any area of your life like hey it's right now it's the beginning of the year it's a good time to just say okay what commitments in my life do I need to prune to create space right now so that I can focus on what's most meaningful? Right. So like, um, you know, maybe you made some commitments last year that are ongoing recurring commitments in your life or in your work. And you just realize. and now listen, I mean, I know we're in an age right now or a time right now where, we, we probably have fewer commitments because we're not going out. We're not <laughs> yeah. there, but, but still, like it, it happens. You know, We create little systems or expectations or other things. Now is a good time to say, okay, which of these things am I going to prune uh, so that something better can grow in its place? You know, In a, in a vineyard, one of the primary roles of the vine keeper is to routinely prune areas of growth off the vine. Or why would you prune good fruit off of a growing vine? Isn't that the goal of the vine, to grow fruit? Well, yeah, but... If you don't routinely prune the vine, eventually that growth is going to steal resources from the older, more mature fruit-bearing parts of the vine. And over time, the entire vine will succumb to systemic mediocrity because there are only so many resources to go around. So you can have a little bit of good fruit, or you can have a whole lot of mediocre fruit. Mm -hmm. And I think that same principle applies to our lives. Mm -hmm. We have to have in our lives a discipline of regularly pruning, creating space so that new things can be born, so that new growth can happen in our lives. If our lives are constantly packed to the, to the brim with commitments and expectations and work and all of this activity and following the ping, there's no space in our lives for new ideas to be born. Well, Where does innovation happen? Where does creativity happen? It happens in the white space. It happens in the gaps between, but we have to create that space in our lives in order for that to happen.
1: So okay, and I, and I like that idea because I'm thinking about you know mm-hmm. Nicole and I are always trying to come up with new ideas for this podcast. And Nicole herself, she has her social media in a in a social media influencer filled space. There's so many of them always doing something, creating a video, or coming up with a new thing. Mm-hmm. How does one, even when you get to that space, how do you become innovative in a space that's so saturated? podcasts are so saturated uh, yeah. you know uh, instagram and instagram creators is such a saturated space and you you have to be timely right you have to be on top of it all mm-hmm. the time you can't take a big lull and a big break and it's like oh i'm only going to do something once a month because mm-hmm. once a month is already too late people are already on to the next thing how do you stay on top of it while at the same time staying creative and innovative
0: Right. So I think the main thing is, and and you hear a lot about voice, you know, people talk about finding your voice, you know, and, and, uh, you know, putting your voice into the world. And, and I agree with that, but I don't think your voice is something that's found. I think it's something that's uncovered or discovered sort of excavated over Mm -hmm. time. Um, and so I think the most important aspect of that is having a voice that resonates, developing a voice that resonates in the marketplace. And the biggest part of that, I think is authenticity. Now mm-hmm. we tend to confuse authenticity with transparency. We think that authenticity and transparency are the same thing. So if you're a, uh, an influencer, you know, to be transparent means I'm just going to show you anything and everything and no holds barred. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we certainly see people who do that, you know, yeah. and I, mm-hmm. I, think it's a great loss to society. when that happens. <laughs> Um, but there's a difference between transparency and authenticity. Authenticity means I'm going to show you what I care about, and I'm going to wear that on my sleeve, and I'm, I'm going to be unapologetic about what I care about and about the causes I care about. But there are parts of my life and parts of who I am that I don't have to show you because those are parts that are reserved for me and my loved ones, right? Yeah. And yes, so I
2: love that. That's that's, yeah. how, that's how I feel, and I feel like I'm not – showing enough sometimes, but I just like to keep some stuff to just like my, my loved ones. So I love that this is okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think, uh, you know, there, there could obviously be some trade-offs involved with that, but I think that Mm -hmm. again, as you think about the body of work that you're building, um, you know, we're all building a body of work and at the end of our lives, we're going to point to it. We're going to ask, does that represent me? Or does that represent everyone else's expectations of Mm me? And I think in this age of social media, it's really easy to slip into a place where we're building a body of work that is, um, that comports with what everybody else expects of us Mm -hmm. or what You know, somebody in my position should do instead of something that truly represents the body of work that we want to build. Mm -hmm. And so, as you go about sharing your life on social media, being an influencer, influencing the thoughts and minds and lives of other people, um, I think the question you have to ask is Am I influencing in a way that's consistent with the body of work that I want to build? Um, Or am I doing it because this is what other people would want from me? And so that's what authenticity is. Authenticity is really, I think, putting yourself into the world in a way that, yes, is influencing other people. Yes, is provoking thought. Yes, is adding value to the lives of other people. It could just be you share a product that you like, but that's influencing other people's lives for the better, right? Or am am I doing this in a way that is um, purely about presenting myself in a way I want other people to see me or that other people expect to see me mm-hmm. um, i I feel like that is a very hollow exercise that in about fifteen years we're going to look back and say what were we thinking? Yeah um, because it really doesn't make any kind of lasting difference. You can have impact without having influence, um, or you can have influence without having impact, and you know my my uh, long long term what i want to do is change i want to influence the hearts and minds and lives of people for the better over the course of my time on this planet and so i try to be very strategic about you know when and what i share because i think you know authenticity trumps transparency any day of the week
1: and that and that actually goes this segues perfectly into your uh thought and it's another book that you have about die empty can can you explain yeah. that
0: Yeah, so I was in a meeting about 17 years ago, and this is, you know, there in any life, and I try to teach this to our kids, like in any life, there are going to be a lot of choices you can make or a lot of moments in your life that just kind of, you know, if you go left, you go right, it doesn't really matter all that much, right? But there are going to be a handful of moments in your life that are those really critical decisions, those really critical moments where you have to get it right, you know, because it's, it's going to have a, a pretty dramatic influence on the rest of your life. And this meeting was one of those moments for me. It was about 17 years ago. I was in a meeting. We were having a conversation about a really important project that we were working on. And it was there are millions of dollars at stake in this project. And I could tell, you know, a lot of people in the room were a little nervous about what was happening. And the person leading the meeting, I think, also sensed that and was kind of giving a little talk, a little pep talk kind of. And, and out of the blue, he said, hey, let me ask you a question. Uh, what do you think is the most valuable land in the world? He was quoting, actually, the late Miles Monroe um, who recently passed, he said, what do you think is the, is the most valuable land in the world? And we're all like, I don't know. I mean, you know, oil fields of the Middle East, right? Or uh, (laughs) gold mines of South Africa. 'cause, Cause our colleague was from South Africa. So we threw out a bunch of guesses and they're all wrong. And he said, no, you're, you're all wrong. He said, the most valuable land in the world is the graveyard. Because in the graveyard are buried all of the unwritten novels, all of the unlaunched businesses, all of the unexecuted ideas, all of the unreconciled relationships, all the conversations that people said, you know, I think I'm going to get around to that tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll call that person and have that conversation. And they push it and they push it and they push it to the future till one day all of those tomorrows run out because they are going to run out for all of us. And If anything, this last several months of COVID have reminded us how precious and fragile and temporary life is. I mean it is, right? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I did not see uh I did not see global pandemic coming. Um and I know that the, you know, hundreds of thousands of people in the US who have died of COVID certainly did not expect this to mm-hmm. be a factor in their life, right? Yep. Um and so uh that really struck me in a profound way. So that day I went back to my office and I wrote two words on an index card. I put them on the wall of my office. I put them in my notebook and those two words were die empty. Because I want to know when I reach the bookend of my life, because I don't know when that's coming. That could be tomorrow. That could be next week. It could be in six months. It could be in 50 years. I don't know when that's coming, but I, when I reach the bookend of my life, I want to make sure I've put my work into the world in a way it can be of value to other people. I don't want to go to the grave with my best work inside of me, mm-hmm. with my best ideas, my best thoughts, with all of this regret over relationships I didn't reconcile or conversations I didn't have. I don't want that to happen. And so I have really spent the last 17 years of my life doing everything I can each and every day to try to put work into the world that I know is going to be of value to others, to try to influence others to the best of my ability and build a body of work I can point to with pride. So someday when I do reach the bookend of my life, I can point to that body of work. I can point to that delta, that change that exists and say, yes, that represents me. That represents the sum of my greatest accomplishments, not the sum of my greatest compromises. And I can die empty of regret, but full of satisfaction for a life well lived. Now, listen, we don't get to do everything, right? And so, I, I hope that I die with more ideas, more ambitions, more projects inside of me than I had the day before. I hope so. But the point is I'm making an effort every day to put that into the to put some of that into the yeah. world where it can be of help to other people. I'm not just deferring my life thinking, well, someday circumstances will let me do it. But for now, I'm just gonna kind of, you know, just kind of hang out here and uh kind of, you know, feel like I'm not getting a fair shake or whatever. No, it's our job to meaningfully move toward building a body of work we can be proud
1: of absolutely and I, I totally agree with that and I you know it like you said it, it's it's impossible to do all of it but you do your best to just do a little bit each day and at the end you're hoping that <laughs>
2: I definitely yeah. feel inspired and I need to quit watching so much Netflix <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 I mean, here's the thing like
0: it's perfectly fine to do that if you're doing it intentionally right and that's the thing like if it's if it's like hey I'm gonna carve out some time every night because I really enjoy it. that's great I do the same thing right there's nothing wrong with that mm-hmm. because we need that sometimes we need to kick back and just enjoy ourselves the problem is when that becomes our default when our default escape is i'm just gonna fire up netflix and mm-hmm. i'm gonna kind of escape from life um if you're doing it with purpose and intent that's totally cool there are a lot of great shows on netflix by
1: the way <laughs> so. yeah. oh absolutely uh, hey so todd where where can people uh find you find where your you know your seminars are going to be social media where, where can they uh, reach you at
0: yeah, so my personal site is ToddHenry.com. Um, you can get to the Accidental Creative Podcast from there as well. And I've got five books that can all be found there as well. Um, so that's probably the best place to find me. I am also ToddHenry, T-O-D-D-H-E-N-R-Y, on Twitter and Instagram. So you can follow me there as well.
1: Well, perfect. Th- this was such an inspiring. This awesome. Thank you so
2: much. <laughs> Great conversation. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah,
1: this is a fun conversation.
0: I really appreciate you
1: inviting yeah. me. No, no. Thank you. Thank Thank you you for for coming on. on, Yes. (laughs) Well, we'll talk to you soon. I wish you the best. Sounds great. Same to you. We really hope you guys enjoyed. I hope you learned something new, Nicole. Coco, yeah,
2: definitely. I hope
1: this inspires you to be uh, add a little bit of these uh, ideas into your life to be more creative and help be more creative. I know I will. For sure. Um, and that's all we got for you guys today. Thank you so, so much. Uh, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. The easiest way is on the little purple app, Apple Podcasts. Nicole heard it. Uh, somebody say that the other day on another podcast that I listened. to. Too.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I was like, that's where I got this from.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. I thought it was your thing.
1: <laughs> the easy, Oh, actually, you can listen to this podcast and tell your friends anywhere you listen to podcasts. Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, and you can always go to www.cococalientepodcast.com and you can listen there. And I swear, I've said this a lot, but we are coming out with new merchandise. Like we said, we're still getting the samples It's, esti-
2: in. it's estimated, I guess, in February.
1: Okay, there we go. There we go. Uh, and don't... don't... Don't forget to follow us at Coco Caliente Podcast on Instagram and at Coco Caliente Pod on Twitter. Thank you, guys. Thank
2: you. If you want to be the most interesting person at the cocktail party, we'll hop on over and listen to the Brain Candy Podcast. Our award-winning content will have you laughing whilst you're learning. We read all the best articles, books, and studies, and keep up with new TV shows, documentaries, and pop culture. Then cram it all into two shows a week. Conspiracy theories, cannibal rabbits, unsolved mysteries, the history of the Walkman. There's something for everyone. The Brain Candy Podcast. Find our link in the show notes. Or simply search for the Brain Candy Podcast on your podcast app.